Happy New Year. My heart is heavy, that's why I did not say that with a smile upon my face. Oh, but there's reason. There is reason to smile. There's reason to take joy. And it's not because I have anything to say this morning that hasn't already been said. But I want to turn your eyes to what God has said. I want to set the stage for a new year by hearing from him. In Romans chapter 15, we are going to read and hear this morning the first 13 verses in chapter 15, but we're going to uh, take particular note of verses 8 through 13. This is the word of the Lord. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Verse 8, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with this people, with his people. And again, verse 11, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Father, add a blessing to the reading of your word and help me as I turn our eyes and our ears to you. Just yesterday, I sat across the table from a young lady that I have much great respect for, and she told us a story about how God has so moved in her heart to lead her to pack her bags and leave this country She has no husband. She has no children. To go to a foreign land where she knows no one and to take up a job working in a hospital among people whom she intends to learn their language. She told a story of when she once had a conversation um, 
with a woman who did not share her faith, did not trust in Jesus. And the conversation went something to to this degree. Um, I, the lady said, I think that my heart is clean. My heart is clean because I try really hard to do the right thing. I do my best to be what people need. And her response was, well, I have learned, God has shown me that my heart is not clean and that Jesus is the only one who can clean it, and he has. And she walked away brokenhearted because this young lady was truly believing and depending upon her goodness, her intentions, and her kindness towards others to save her. Folks, we have that in this room. We have people in this room that are thinking that because they are being good, that God is pleased and God is smiling upon them. Maybe you are in this room this morning and you think that the way to God is by being good enough and that your heart is clean before him because of your intention to cleanse your own heart. I'm here to remind you that that is an impossibility. The sum total of our message this morning, and the title is The Hope of All Humanity. It's not original. I don't have anything um, new, and I intend not to have anything new. I think we need to have ringing in our ears this new year um, the same old story. You know the song, I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory. He saved a sinner, a wretch like me. And he'll save you too. In Romans chapter 15, we read in verses 8 and 9 that Christ came as a servant. He came as a servant to the circumcised. And then he reveals his mercy even to the Gentiles. And I don't want to um, pretend that I, when I look across this room and I see everyone here this morning, that you all know what this means. So the simple um, realization is the circumcised are the Jews. This is the, the people group. Um, the Jews, the, the first chosen people of God, and the Gentiles, everyone else, including you and I. And we hear this morning that God has become a servant. That is not what we thought he would be. 
but it was the only way. So God has made a promise. He's made a promise to the patriarchs. Who were the patriarchs? There was a man who lived many, many years ago named Abraham. And God visited him, not because he was good, not because he was on his way looking for God. But we read in Genesis 12, the summary of the promise, the promise that God made to a person with people in mind, with his heart set on the person in the room this morning. And the promise was this. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I'll make of you a great nation, and I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And don't miss that. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will... And in any who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So God comes to Abraham with a promise on his way to the people, even you who sit in this room. We read in Genesis 12 the promise that really is just moving the ball down the field. The promise that was once made in a garden so long ago when, when our first parents, a man named Adam and a woman named Eve, did not trust God. And they joined in league with Satan. And God promises, I am going to move towards you, not away. And he says, I'm going to send my son to defeat Satan. And then it all comes to fruition today. We hear the promise fulfilled. We see it in Galatians. We see, we've seen it. We've consistently seen it here in Romans, this letter written to a church in Rome some 2,000 years ago approximately. And that seems like it's been so, so long ago. And yet Jesus comes at the right time. And he comes at the right time in your life too. And we read in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. Remember the promise made to Abraham. You are heirs according to promise. You are those who have received salvation. You have not earned it. You have received a promise that your heart can be made clean, that your heart can be made whole. Not by your performance, but by a promise fulfilled, a promise kept. And let me remind you, if you've forgotten, Jesus is every promise of God kept. 
He is. And we need to cease our pursuit of God to deliver on something that he hasn't already given us. God's heart has always been from the very start. I pick the ones that you don't. I pick the ones that you won't. And that's why I'm standing here. That is why you are here this morning because God will pick you. He has chosen you. He took names to the cross. Ezekiel chapter 36. The promise. God makes promises and he keeps his promises. Ezekiel 36, the promise. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put in you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You cannot follow Jesus apart from him doing something in you that you cannot do for yourself. We read in Isaiah chapter 43, the promise, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions, your sin for my own sake, and I will remember not your sins. John, the Baptist, comes on the scene and he announces, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's a new year. And we look upon the one who takes away the sin of the world. We're still dealing with the consequences of the sin in this world. Your hearts are broken this morning because of the sin in this world. But we look again to the one who comes, who takes away the sin of the world. I, I, I just, I looked at, at Gina and Lauren just so broken and, and devastated and they've shed more tears than we can count. And some of you in this room have over various situations in your life. And I'm reminded that God has a bottle which holds all of your tears. And one day, his hand is going to wipe away your tears. And you raise your hands. You raise your hands to sing this morning in hopes that he would just reach down and take your hand. And sometimes you just want him to take it and pull you right up. Can I come for just a visit? But as we've already heard this morning, he's good and he's here. Not in the way that one day we will experience, but he is here. And he is among us. And he is enough. He is enough. So we, we see here, God tell us again. It's all about Jesus. 
And it's all about every person that you have ever encountered and you will ever encounter. We've got to move towards people because Jesus does. In this new year, we've got to move towards people. And it's just, we, we see that, that God comes not just for one person, not for just one people, but all people. And he's unveiling this just a little bit more and just a little bit more and just a little bit more, and it's coming into greater clarity. I couldn't help but think that as I, as I see the unfolding and, and the clarifying of what God has come to do and does in Jesus and he's still breaking through into the lives of people. Sarah and I, we have a, an old TV. It's the only one we have in our house. We're, we're, we're a one TV family. Um, we've got all the gadgets too, and you can do that, you know, TV with all the other things. But we've got this one TV, and well, so a pity party. It's about 10 years old. You know, we need a new TV. It's a flat screen TV, and it's a really nice one. And I think the picture looks great until I go to someone else's house who has a new one. <laughs> and it, it's so vivid, so vivid. And that's what we have. We have the vivid love of God in perfect resolution, in perfect clarity in Jesus. And so let's not be pointing people to other things. There's nothing that can give clarity but Jesus Christ. Nothing. And we see the progression. If you'll just notice in verse 9, he says in verse 9 that, and and this is a quotation of of 2 Samuel and and Psalm 18, I believe it is, where David is singing after his, his near-death encounter with Saul. and He says, I'll sing and praise you among the Gentiles. There will be people who are not your people, and I'm singing your praises among them that they might hear. Do you realize you do that too? You see, everywhere you go, you're singing someone's praises. You're singing the praises of something. And there are others who are in your company and they're hearing this and they're seeing this. And here it was. And then he says, and again it is said, rejoice, old Gentiles, with his people. Notice God is bringing them in. So you praise God among those who don't yet know him and God is bringing them in. And then the progression, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples, now they're singing together. Those who did not know God, who did not love God, who were not looking for God, are now joining those who have found him or who have been found by him. And we're singing together. And we're joining our lives together. And that's what we need in this new year. And it's what we needed last year. And it's what we'll need the next. Some of you like the Marvel movies, don't you? There's a whole universe, the cinematic universe. I call it MCU, for those of you who care. And there's Easter eggs that are just dropped 
in these movies and as you watch them. And, and there's other movies that do the same. And it's like, that was there all along. <laughs> and if you go back for a second watch, it's like, oh, there it was. There it was. There. Oh, I can see it. Folks, last week we heard that we have the scriptures. We have this book. These pages, these promises point us to a person. A person. This person is revealed now to you and to I, and we gather here to meet with him again. And then Paul, as he as he kind of moves on to another subject in verse 14. In verse 13, he he prays. As I want to pray for you all, may the God of hope fill you. It's a prayer he prays. And sometimes we're like, I don't know what to pray. What do I pray for you? What do I pray for you? What do I pray for you? When you don't know what to pray, look, here, here it is. We pray, Paul prays, I pray that they get more of God. That they get more of God. And as they get more of God, they realize, just as we read last week and we heard last week, God is the God of endurance. This assumes that life is going to be rough. Life is going to be hard. Life is not for sissies, as you've heard me say. Life is difficult. Life demands a savior. Life demands a helper in the Holy Spirit. Life demands everything that God provides. Everything. He says, I pray that God will fill you with joy and peace. And how does it come? I can cleanse my own heart. No, it comes in believing. Do you see it? That God gives joy, peace in believing through your belief, not your behavior, not your performance. Promises do not depend on your performance or your behavior. Believe. Believe again. Believe today. Trust today. And when you don't and when you can't admit it and say, God, help my unbelief, because that's there for us too. It wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. Help my unbelief. There was a time where I knew this was true and I saw it and I see you, but now I don't. Things are cloudy. I've sat down in front of that old TV again. In verse 8, I tell you, Paul says, and I tell you today that Christ came as a servant. And I have said this already, but I'm going to say it again. Jesus, as servant, must compel us, must compel you. And this is an emphasis in my mind for this year. And we talked yesterday about how cliche it is, right? So we went back and forth yesterday about having every new year, you know, you have a word. Maybe some of you have a word and you focus on it. My brother-in-law says, that's so cliche. Kelly says, I'm going to do it anyway. Well, here's, here's my thought. And it's not mine. It's, it's, it's what we are compelled to. 
Jesus as servant compels us beyond the surface relationally. We must go beyond the surface. Church, we know, you and I know, that COVID has done some awful, ugly things. The pandemic has done some terrible things in your life and in the lives of those you love. But the promises of God still stand and are still true in the midst of a pandemic. In our relationships, if we've ever come to realize that they are so vital. And some of you, you think that you're without hope and you've forgotten or you've never heard that Jesus is the only hope for humanity and you need someone to come into your life and remind you again and again and again. And then that person that's reminding you, they're reminding you so that when they forget, you can turn around and remind them too. Because we're forgetful people. And the experiences, they distract us. And the heartache most certainly does, and God says, I'm right here with you. I've read it many times, but the most recent time that I read it, it it convicted me. And I don't want to just say that, I want it to move me, and I must depend upon the Holy Spirit to do this, as will you. Paul's heart in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he's not content with just giving the good news and then packing his bag or, or, here it is, coming to church on Sunday and having no conversation the rest of the week until you come back the next Sunday or having acquaintances in the room. He says in 1 Thessalonians, So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. I love this group of people in this room right now. And sometimes I say that, but I don't show it. And sometimes you say it and you don't show it. And God, forgive us. You have, you do. Cleanse us and conform us in this area that we would go beyond the surface. We don't need the Holy Spirit to be nice to each other. You don't need the Holy Spirit to come in here and say, hi. I know in lots of churches, people come in and they sit down and nobody says anything to them. And because we do, we think we've arrived. We have not arrived. We have not arrived. We will never arrive. I want, and I want for you and for us, a holy discontent. A holy discontent. Content in Christ that there's more for us. That there's more for this church. There's more for this community. In this new year, let's be committed not to do what we can't do, but to trust Jesus to deepen our community. I know it's not going to be easy. I know we've got to clarify everything and, and, and give disclaimers and we've got to say but and, and we don't know. And How about we have those conversations instead of letting the thoughts defeat us before we even talk? 
You know it because you've been there. And you're living there right now. And I've been there and I'm sick of it. And we have in our own community something right now that's stirring and it's called pantherhood. Any of you heard of pantherhood? That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And the reason why people are having pantherhood and they're putting pantherhood together is because they know how important community is. If anybody knows how important community is, is it not the people of God who belong to Jesus? Do we we know that community is what God has invited us into? And I think, I think all across the nation and all across the world, God's saying, hey, the health of your church matters. The size of your church matters. But the size of your church does not determine the health of your church. Necessarily. And the health of your church will take care of the size of your church. I'm convinced. I'm becoming more and more convinced that God's going to add to this people because God saves people and he doesn't just save them as I was reminded this past week at a funeral for my brother, his father, that God doesn't just save us to give us an ejection seat to go to heaven. He saves us to be here to carry hope to those who haven't heard it yet. And it's for us to realize that as we move into one another's lives, people are saved by Jesus and they're saved to a people. And what if the testimonies were, I was saved, I met Jesus, and I met his people. And I'm telling you what, sometimes they're kind of lousy, but they own it. They own it. They're quick to admit their faults. Sometimes they're amazing. <laughs> Just like me, when I'm trusting Jesus, I don't look in the mirror and say, I'm amazing. Other people say, that looks and smells like Jesus. And that is love. And I've encountered it through this person who knows Jesus and is bent on making him known. This makes a difference. In abandoning all hope or abounding in all hope. That's what Paul prays for, that we may abound in hope. What does that mean? That means that the the hope that we have would be so spilling out of us that it's getting on other people. We're getting messy with hope. That's, That's in shortage these days, isn't it not? We've got shortages all over the country, right? You're waiting on a package still that you were expecting for Christmas. Is there any shortage in hope? There is not. There is not. We must look to Jesus as the only hope for humanity. And let me remind you by asking, are you carrying and conducting yourself, leading a life that looks like your God is awfully hard? He's awfully harsh. He doesn't appreciate laughter. Because when's the last time you laughed? Are you leading a life? Am I leading a life? It looks like my God. He doesn't know how to throw a party. Folks, he does. He has invited us into the party. 
And you know, we just celebrated my oldest son's birthday. And in the, in the, and in the midst of COVID, it's like, what do we do? Then we start figuring out who it is we're going to invite. It's like, if we just invite family, our house is going to be full. And then we start thinking, how can we do this? And then we start having conversation, and we're not really satisfied with what we come up with. And when you've ever thrown a party and then you realize you can't invite everybody and then somebody realizes they didn't get an invite, somebody's hurt. Know what I mean? Jesus, he's given you an invitation. Will you come? He doesn't forget. We do, and we can. He doesn't. Is your God a God of mercy and grace, as Paul says, that to the Gentiles, they might glorify God for his mercy? That's what we're doing here. We are glorifying God for his kindness. No, instead, we go about ourselves offering hollow promises to people, pointing people to things that, again, they must depend on somebody's performance or we point people to hollow promises like physical health or we obsess on those things. Now, by all means, take care of yourself to the glory of God. Take care of yourself and take care of those you love. But we can't be clinging to hope in possessions, things, status, the temporary stuff, a better job, maybe some of you, that is hope to you, a better job, a better situation, a better home, a clean home. More behaved children. And we see, this is an oversimplification, but God has invited Jews and Gentiles. He has invited the religious and the rebellious, the reckless, and we're all really more alike than what we realize. The religious, the Jew is accustomed to all these things, has heard the sermons, has heard the Bible verses, knows what this is all about. And some of you in this room, you're that. That's what you are. You've been around long enough. You're the religious. And then there's others who come in and they're reckless and they're rebellious and they, they cross every line and you don't know what to do with them. And they look at you and say, oh my goodness. They look at me up here wearing this today. I know some of you commented on it. It's kind of hiding my microphone cord. It makes it a lot easier. Um, to have this thing attached and not get tangled up in it. Plus, I look half decent, don't I? Um, But you know, we are called to move towards people. We're called to move to people, as this young lady told us yesterday, to people who do not look like her. And she's going to stand out like a sore thumb. But let me tell you this, what happens when you start moving towards people is you find out they're a lot more like you than what you ever realized. Because none of you are really religious, and you know it. And others of you who are rebellious or reckless, or you think, I'm all this and that, and I'm going to, don't tell me what to do, you're not either, and you know it. And I came to hear something just in the past week or two, something called imposter syndrome. You ever heard of it? It's not really a syndrome, because I think every one of you suffer from it. 
imposter syndrome. In your mind, you have this nagging feeling, this haunting prospect that everyone thinks that you're better than you actually are. That everyone's actually thinking of you all the time (laughs) and who you are and what you're becoming. And that people expect of you things that you absolutely cannot accomplish and cannot deliver on. And it causes anxiety. And you think about it when you're alone. And Jesus comes, and the whole reason he must come to be a servant is to serve our greatest need. It's not that when he says this, he's saying the Jews are masters over, are masters over Jesus. No, he came to serve and to go beyond the surface to the greatest problem than you, that you and I have, and that's why we must go to others too and get beyond the service because that's exactly what Jesus does and calls us to the same. We've got to realize that we're all imposters. Every single one of us have a projection of something that we want people to think or believe or to know about us. Knock it off. By God's grace, knock it off. You're free to knock it off. As am I. And that is a hard thing because you're going to fall right back into it and so am I. But by the grace of God, let's call each other on it. Be real, man. You can be real. Because Jesus saves the real you, not the projected you, not the, the, not the pretend you, not the one who's performing for others and for God. That's good news for the new year. And you need to hear it, you need to believe it, you need to give it away because everyone needs it. And it's the only thing that will penetrate. All these other false hopes cannot penetrate what we need most. So let's look to him once again. For we must. He's the only hope for humanity. Not one among a sea of many hopes, but the single hope for humanity, the single hope for you and you and you and you and you and you is Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And during our response, I'm going to ask whomever's willing. And you're doing this from faith. You're not doing this from coercion, and you're not doing this from persuasion. And Marty, I don't want any music yet. I want it, I want it to sound like a, you could hear a pin drop. If you're willing, I want you to come to this place right up here and kneel and pray for this people, your people, for this year, that God would give us hope that we already have and that we would give it away and that we would lean into each other. We would be discontent with surface relationships. That's what I'm praying for myself. As one of your pastors, as one of your leaders, you can start coming.